We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo, your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. This is episode 700 talking buffalo i want to thank everybody out there watching listening on the audio side if you're watching on the video side by the way we are live here at imperial pizza milestone episode for me which means i gotta go out and get a big fish for this episode <laughs> i got one good friend recurring guest buffalo bills beat reporter matt marino what's going on dude how you doing well, you got a fish at least like i'm, I'm <laughs> definitely in the pond i don't know how big i am but i appreciate you having me on congratulations to you my friend, hey, I really uh, appreciate you having me on. Um, when I We were just talking about it before the show. When I first came back to Buffalo, one of the first things that I did in uh, on any platform was your show. I think you said yeah. it was in the 40s, uh, that, that episode. And I just was blown away by the concept of it, the way that you kind of took a deep dive into all these members of the media in town. I really And we, we bonded over that. Sure. And I followed it. I, I listened to your stuff all the time. And... Uh, Congratulations, man. It's a, I, it's a great I, milestone. I appreciate you. I, I did some research here. So I've had seven episodes. You've been on 13 of them if you count this one. Really? 13. I'm going to run them off for you too, man. Dude, that tells you I actually like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you're not blowing me off. I love it, man. But look, I actually wrote these down. I want to make sure I get this right. So you're on episode 42, which was the first time. That was in July of 2018. Okay. And for a little context on that, you, like you said, you literally had just moved back here. Right. And we're getting ready, like thrown into the fire right. to cover your first Buffalo Bills training camp. We didn't even, obviously didn't even talk Bills that day. That Dude, I had no day. idea what the hell I was doing. Yeah. When I first started, man, <laughs> like I was scrambling. Like, dude, I was two months away from sitting in my living room, screaming at the, at the TV that Brandon Bean should have, or, uh, yeah, Brandon Bean should have drafted Josh Rosen. So what the oh, hell did I know too. about anything when it came to the Bills <laughs> at that point? Yeah. Uh, all right, so 82. Second, then I had you. We did a show live at Autobahn North. Okay. In Amherst. Love that place. Remember the Spingers? Spingers. Yeah, oh we ate God. with your wife, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah my wife amazing. met us there. Um, you know, episode 162. Episode 183, which you and I did together at Casey's Tavern in Black Rock. Oh, yeah. The theme is we've done a lot of lives. Not just you haven't just been on the podcast. You've right. done actually a lot of live shows with me. 210, 261, 320, 
346. It was UI and Nate Gary at Mulberry. Yes. And the Trey White wing, right? The Trey White wing. And I remember being blown away about those wings. I had no idea they were right. going to be. Me either. Our, our dude, Justin, at Sunny Reds, man. He put us onto that. Oh, man. And, so uh, dude, I was driving by Sunny Reds on the way here. I know this is where at Imperial. Sorry. But, like, oh, no, man, no. it's just like, it doesn't matter where you go, what you do. Like, everywhere in this town, there is just elite, like, food options. There really is. And, you know, another thing I remember about Mulberry, I don't know if you remember this, but we were talking about training camp. It was, like, kind of like a training camp preview episode. And we were talking about Dawson Knox kind of being a potential red flag on the team because he was coming off not a great year. Right. And as we're doing the show, Dawson Knox is 15 yes. feet away yes. with his girlfriend, who is now uh, his fiance. So, anyway, we, we did a show in Mulberry. Then I had you on episode 360. It was you and your current partner with Shout, right. uh, Ryan Talbot. We were at Amherst Ale House. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'll give you a little bit of a inside scoop. Mm -hmm. He's not my current partner. He's my only partner. Your you only will partner. never see a Bills <laughs> podcast without that Ryan. I host without Good. Ryan Talbot. Good. Um, 416, which we were actually here for, it was UI and John Scott. Class. That was after that latest season of Cobra Kai intro. Yes, that was a good episode. <laughs> that was. Fun. That was fun. And then 510 and then five or 555, actually, was you and I here, just us two. So, yeah, man, 13 times here at Imperial Pizza. And for, if you're living under a rock and you don't know us already, of course, Matt, Ryan, Talbot, shout to Buffalo Bills or a Buffalo football podcast, I should say. You guys now have been crushing it, not, not just the podcast stuff, which I want to talk about, but also your live shows yeah. now, um, you guys are really dialed in and you're doing them at wing nuts. And before we get into some bills, Miami talk, I mean, we got to at least talk a little bit yeah. about that game. It's too big of a game to, to not get into, but I do want to, a couple things I, I want to talk about between this place here, which obviously I love. This is my home base now for doing these live shows. I'm, I'm a big Imperial guy, of course, but I'm also really high on wing nuts. And yeah. I kind of want to tell you why. I like that place as much as I do. And it doesn't have anything to do with the food. And don't get me wrong. I, I'm a big wing nuts wing guy too. I, right. I love their wings, but there's something else about that place that I really love. And it kind of connects a little bit to Imperial pizza. Although they're two different types of places. I mean, this is a place where you come for, well, it's wings, pizza, subs. I mean, there's a million and one things you could eat here that, that are fantastic. It doesn't have that one signature thing that they're specifically known for. Well, maybe pizza. Whereas wing nuts, although they are expanding their menu, I'm going to ask yes. you about that in a minute, but, they're wings. You know, you, you think of wing nuts and you think of wings for obvious reasons. But one of the things I've always liked about Imperial Pizza, and I've seen it up close personal firsthand, is this is a place where if you work here, like the people who run this place, they're the type of people where they they don't have their employees do anything that they don't do themselves. And right. I, like taking out garbages and cleaning racks and making dough for pizzas. I see it all the time. I see the GMs here. I see the owners getting right. their hands dirty. And I feel like as an employee, when you see your, you see your bosses doing that, your boss could just sit back in the office, right. chilling on the couch, watching shout every night, which I, <laughs> if I was the owner, I'd be doing that shit, man. I wouldn't be getting my hands dirty, but these guys, man, they, they get their hands dirty. Right. They work hard. This is a community driven type place. Now, of course they got a second location, but I see it all the time. The donations to, all the baseball, little league, little loop fundraisers, benefits, all that stuff. This place is so involved in its community. And I love that. And I love the fact, like I said, that the owners, that the bosses, 
You'll find them back there. They'll be taking out the garbage. They'll be washing dishes. They'll do whatever it takes. And then they, they lead by example, basically, right. is what I'm telling you. And that's my favorite thing about this place. With Wingnuts, the reason why I love Wingnuts as much as I do, and I do love the wings, but it's not even about that, is I'm kind of considering myself an OG Wingnuts person. Yeah. To me, Wingnuts represents the great American dream. The great American success story. Right. There, you know, a lot of people now, if you're new to Buffalo or you're just getting into chicken wings or just hearing about them, they're as popular as can be now. You know, right. you do a show there, you got you have the biggest podcast in this area, and you're doing live shows there. Barstool raved about them. Josh Allen has raved about them. Everybody knows Wingnuts. Now, Wingnuts is on that same level in terms of reputation and popularity, I'd say, as Barville right. when it comes to wings. Like, those are the two places that everybody talks about now. But I remember a handful of years ago, not all that long ago, they were a little single operation at the Knights of Columbus in Kenmore. Yeah. And they only had a certain amount of wings every night. And once they ran out, that was it. You're done. They, they were done. And I remember going there, and it was like cafeteria type of seating like they had seven eight tables with like 10 12 chairs and you would literally go there you would get your wings and you'd be sitting with complete strangers right even you didn't even know and it was total word of mouth right like that's how they were built and alicia they built that literally right. brick by brick again there are no overnight success story in this area mm -hmm. it was brick by brick and word of mouth got out, and people started talking about, oh, you got to go try this place. It's this, you know, this, and Knights of Columbus, this little place in Kenmore. And you would sit with people you don't even know. But these wings are different, man. They're huge, and they're crispy, and there's something to them. They're not breaded. They're coated. They're, there's something right. to them. And just word of mouth just spread so much about this place. And now you fast forward handful of years later, and they have the new location that you were just at, or your your first show there anyway, this past Saturday, which I did go to check out you and Ryan. Great show, by the way. Um, Froth, you know, these locations, and just, there's such a success now, but it wasn't an overnight sensation. The, to me, that's like what the great American dream is. Corny as that might sound. No, I think that, that's really well said. And, you know, the Wingnuts arc is crazy because I remember doing, like, back in 1918, like, putting out tweets about like my top five wing spots and mm -hmm. every single time I did it, I never had wing nuts and people would flood my mentions with, dude, how have you not had wing nuts yet? And it was like this cult following, like it's kind of like what nine 11 was before it got into the mainstream. Sure. And now you can't have a top list without including wing nuts right. because to your point, they're so popular. Um, but it's crazy because this was before any of the bar stool stuff. And I hate to admit it. I, I don't know the actual reason why Barstool went to Wingnuts when they did. I think it might have been somebody, they were in town and they just were looking for something and somebody said, somebody go out. try Wingnuts. Yeah, yeah. Um, stumbled on it. Stumbled you know, onto it, whatever the case may be. But it's been a great partnership. And, you know, you mentioned Ed and Alicia, and I'm so happy for them. They're just the sweetest people in the yeah, world. Yeah. Um, but the real, like, the, the way that it's kind of like erupted here is AJ and Chris who um, are the owners now, co-owners with Ed and Alicia, they really had an idea for what Wingnuts could be because they were almost like hiding in the Knights of Columbus, right? Like there was this amazing wing that couldn't get out to the masses and Chris and AJ had an idea for it and there's a lot of people involved with the vision and now they have two locations. Um, the Niagara Falls Boulevard one that was takeout only, that's actually closing. They're going to lean on the Niagara Falls Boulevard mm -hmm. one. But... 
between froth, that experience there where you can go get these delicious beers, it's a cool vibe in there, and then now the sports bar, uh, bar and grill over on in Amherst, it's just an amazing place. Me and Ryan are just thrilled to be uh, in partnership with them. Yeah, and like I said, I was there. I went there to see your show Saturday, and I, I love it. It's a really cool spot. Just, yeah, the great vibes of the course, the great food, but, yeah, it's the thing. It's like it, it was a long time coming. It was no overnight. You know, I, I was actually looking and watching people walk in, and like they're 19, 20-year-old, you know, young adults or teenagers. I'm like, man, you don't even know that this yeah. wing nuts thing has been a process. It hasn't been just this one thing 100%. that's sprung up. And it's kind of like this with Imperial and South Buffalo. Like, you know, wing nuts is more of a, a Western New York thing, kind of like Barbell is, where right. South Buffalo is really about this neighborhood, about South Buffalo. It's just a staple, or a staple, I should say, in South Buffalo. There's Doc Sullivan's and there's Imperial Pizza. So when right. you think South Buffalo, you think of that. So anyway, I just, I just wanted to put that out there, man. I'm a big fan, obviously, here of Imperial, but also wing nuts and a, and a big fan of your show live kind of talk about that a little bit now the uh the adjustment because i mean you obviously do plenty of podcasts from your home studio with ryan remotely just like i do with mine but it's a different animal when you do a live show talk about the show itself talk about the process of having one take you know what right. i mean yeah that's hard and like people don't know that like i get a lot of heat sometimes like in the comments even like on the like uh, the shows that we do from our home studios, like, oh, Matt doesn't pay enough attention to Ryan. Like, he's not listening when he's talking. <laughs> and I got to explain to people, like, there's no producer behind mm -hmm. the scene. Like, Ryan is phenomenal. Like, he is so great. He's so gracious with his time. Like, I threw this podcast on his plate, and he drives up here from Olean. Yeah. Like, we did a show at Turning Stone, which is a four-hour drive for him. He, he made the drive out there. Like, anytime I bring something up to him, he's, like, ready to go. So I don't try to put too much on his plate. So I do all of the pre and post. I post the shows. I edit the shows. Right. I write all the descriptions. Like I'm producing in show, getting it ready to go up. All the kind of stuff that I'm doing. I'm monitoring fan comments. He does that a little bit as well too. But there's so much that goes into it. And you know, when I go out to these live events now, you know, you said that you have it down to a science how you set this thing up here. It takes you about 20 minutes. It takes me about 20 to 30 minutes. Yeah. And that's if I'm uninterrupted. Sometimes I sure. get there at six o'clock and there's people that came out for the show and they want to like, you know, they chat, which is what I'm there for anyway. Right. Sure. So sometimes that turns into 40 minutes and 50 minutes. Then we got to, then all of a sudden I look up and it's like, it's time to go. And like, I got to get into like game mode. And it's like, there's been a lot of times where I just look at Ryan and I'm just like, yeah, dude, we're just winging it, man. We were going on the show here and we were just going to like wing it. We'll see how it goes. Now the show that we did the other night, that was much more planned out. Like I had specific points an outline like you bring into your show. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's not always like that. And sometimes I think like podcasts are supposed to be a little bit more natural. And that's yeah. I th why I think it works because I don't always want to bring in like canned stuff into the podcast because I feel like fans are just like, all right, this feels like too put together as opposed to just like, oh, I'm just sitting around the bar talking shop with the guys, you know, or the, sure. or the girls. The, the Your podcast, at least the one I was at last week anyway, Highly, and we talked about this a little bit over some wings here in Imperial before we started rolling. Um, really high, highly interactive with fans. Like you had a lot of fans right. come up. Is that the first time you've done like with that many fans? You were having them come up and, and just and give a kind of a bold prediction. Which yeah, I, some of those were, were actually pretty fun too to to listen to. Um, <laughs> did you enjoy that though? You having fans come up because on one hand, it definitely has another element to the show that I think is really cool. On the other hand. You don't know everybody who's right. coming up. So in the back of your mind, are you thinking like, 
I hope this guy don't really, you know, he looks like no. he's had a couple beers. I hope he don't say nothing ridiculous. No, because I, I've done this long enough now to where I feel like I, I, I can put out any fire that, like, were True. to kind of arise. And listen, it's a, it's on YouTube. Like, we're not, like, on ESPN or Channel 4 or Channel 7. Like, we have a little leeway. There was, like, actually a very inebriated Patriots fan that was at the podcast that he was, made see, his way onto the show, which was, was pretty cool. That was a little bit of a, of a curveball. He was definitely inebriated. Too. Yes. And so <laughs> those guys, so that was the first time I ever did it like that. But yeah, that was a huge show. That might be arguably our biggest that we've done live. But I will tell you, I don't think it was as big as the one we did at Dorado in Rochester when Wingnuts came out to Rochester, cooked 1,600 wings. Wow. On a fryer. That was camp, right? Yes. They did like a makeshift thing. And that's the thing too. Like we have all these fans from around Western New York, central New York, uh, Rochester, all these different places that are like, when are you going to come to a show here? And so it's been cool. We got to go to Rochester. We went to turning stone, which is right outside of Syracuse. And you know, we get, we get requests all the time from cities across the country. And the regular season is nice because people can kind of build the live show into their game weekend. Like, mm -hmm. like so if you're coming in town to go to the Patriots game, Saturday night, I'm going to stop over and watch out and meet, meet Matt and Ryan. And like, that's what we're here for. Like, you know, we were talking a little bit about like, you know, sports journalism before we started this. And sure. like, I'm a very non-traditional sports journalist in right. the sense that like, you know, I almost view myself as a little bit different. Like the, the traditional way is like, it's one way communication. It's the journalist goes into the locker room, they interview people players, coaches, they write a story, they deliver the story via website or newspaper, and that's the end of the transaction. Mm -hmm. But I've always felt that the transaction should be interpersonal. Like, I want to know what Pat wants to read about, what he wants to see on the show. Right. So there's like a circular motion to what I do, and a lot of that ends up being a little bit more non-traditional, and I definitely have a very high, like, big emphasis on the podcast, but that's because that's what people want. Mm -hmm. Like, if people weren't so into the podcast and interactive and engaging and watching it and downloading it and watching it on YouTube live. I mean, there's some shows, you know, we do like a thousand people live at one time. Like that's insane to me it is. Like to, to be it in is. that world. So it's a little bit non-traditional, but I, I like what we've kind of created. Uh, it's not always perfect. And it's, you know, I teach journalism for at UB and, and I don't know if I'm necessarily the picture perfect example of what, a traditional sports journalist is, mm -hmm. but I'm also trying to change things a little bit to where it can be a little bit more inclusive and a little bit more, less of a dictatorship. If that makes sense. It does. It makes a lot of sense. One of the things that you do is shout and you know, I've been doing live shows now for, for quite a while, but one thing that you do, I don't. And I told you straight up over dinner. I'm like, I'm probably going to steal this idea from you at some point. I probably steal the live show from you. Cause I think we did a live <laughs> show somewhere with you at Casey's before I ever did my first live one. You know what? I, I do remember, we, I think when we did the live show at Casey's, I think at that time you weren't, you shout head and started. Right. Yeah, you were it getting was, ready. It was start. in. It was in the works. You were cooking. Yes, it was yes, cooking. It was yes. cooking. But one thing you do at your show that I thought was excellent and really enjoyed is you have audio going out now to right. the people. So, you know, like right now here at Imperial, people are, you know, looking around eating dinner and stuff. But if they're not right on top of us, they don't hear what we're going to say. Obviously, I want people watching and listening right. to the show anyway. But like at Wingnuts, you could be sitting 20 yards away, 30 yards away or whatever, and people could hear everything. Because you right. got the audio going out, which sounded really good too, by the way. 
Yeah, we took a lot. We took some time to really research that, and it's like a one speaker kind of deal, but it um it gets the job done for like it almost feels like a studio audience. Like you're not gonna probably be able to hear it from room forty, which was sure you know the room dedicated to Josh Allen. That's there right. All right at the new wing nuts, yeah. but if you're in that main bar area, which is where our kind of our stage is, if you will, it's a pretty good experience, I think. Yeah, I really did. I truly, I truly enjoyed it. Before we get into some Bills talk, like obviously you're a beat reporter first and foremost, but with podcasting, like you, you look at podcasting now, where where do you see podcasting like maybe in this market, the future of podcasting? Like it almost seems like if you only have an audio one, I hate to say this, it's almost like you're almost like a dinosaur in this business. Having a video component is very important having clips it just seems like it, it continues to grow like how podcasts are like how do you view podcasts in this market right now and what do you think the future is with just podcasting in general it's really hard to get into it now like yeah. the, the market is very saturated i don't sure. even want to say oversaturated because i think that especially with this fan base you could probably add another 10 and people are still going to find their ways to the ones that they like and you know, everybody, there's a little bit, there's room at the table for everybody. Sure, It's sure, not sure. like The Rock and Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, right? <laughs> there can only be one ahead of the table, yeah. right? By yeah. the way, they're getting me back in with it. Because Rock, that's my Learn era, in, right? Yeah. They're, they're, cool, Monday. they're pulling me back in. Yeah, very cool. I saw it. But yeah. like in, in, in Buffalo, it's like <clears throat> everybody wants to know, to talk about what's happening right now and what it means. And people are going to try to find the people that can best cut through the BS and explain it. Right. And that's not everybody, right? right. Like that, you know, it's, and, and, and it might be everybody, but just at different times too. So like, I think it's just like a flavor thing. I'm sure that there's people that watch our show, get a little bit tired with it, maybe leave it for a while and then come back to it. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Um, we have our diehards, right. That we like, you know, have had since the beginning that are super supportive and I'm so thankful and grateful for yeah. them. Like if they don't comment on a video, you're wondering what I'm like, where are they? What's are going they? on? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, if yeah. they're not in the I live, sure. like I, I'm very like concerned. <laughs> I'm checking in on them. I'm sending the DM. Um, but in terms of like where podcasts are going to be, yeah, it's, um, it's constantly changing. And I almost feel like it's a race for the next big idea, right? Sure. Like one of the cool things that I think, and I don't say this from a place of hubris. Like a lot of people might hear this and be like, Oh, that kind of, guy's a little bit full of himself like i think like in a lot of ways like i created on the beat side of it like what the the measuring stick is for a podcast 100 right? like me and sal and, and matt bovey talk about it all the time like you know when they were creating their podcast like we did a lot of stuff in the lab just in the in the media room talking shop like what works for you what doesn't work mm -hmm. for you it's a very inclusive beat in sure. that way sure um but I, I think there's a competitive side of it where it's like, all right, what's going to be the next big thing? Like I did the video cast, right? Like that was the, on the media side, not the content creator side. And that was like a big step, right? What's going to be the next thing? Like I did the, the live shows and some people do live shows now, but like, there's gotta be a next iteration, but that idea hasn't been had yet. You know, you, you come from the UFC world into the football world. And at the time you'd be like, that's not experience, but what I always thought was, well, you worked in video. You this is this was new to you when you first started with Bills specifically in football. Right. But the concepts I'm sure you had rolling around in your mind, I'm sure you brought that with you when you came back. 100 percent Dude, the pioneers of this whole game are Ariel Hawani and Joe Rogan. 
I mean, they were mm -hmm. doing video podcasts before anybody even dreamed of what that would look like in sports. I mean, I can't think of an NFL podcast, like some of the best NFL podcasts like you think of now that have been around for a while. None of them stand out for being like a YouTube show outside of Pat McAfee. He right. was like on the ground floor, but I think he probably, I'd actually like to look this up or, or ask him maybe an indie um, where he got the idea for it. Because to me, it was Joe Rogan in his basement talking about fights with all of his buddies. And then they turned the video camera on one day. Sure. His YouTube channel exploded and like, it was this cool thing and he did multiple things. It wasn't just like fight breakdowns. He would bring on people and then all of a sudden it started branching out into some wacky stuff, obviously <laughs> at times. Yeah. Very, um, very. But I, I was kind of studying at the, at the altar of Helwani and with the MMA hour, which to me still in sports, I mean, dude, that dude does a three hour, no commercial podcast every Wednesday where he's booking guests. He's doing like four interviews in the show. He's doing segments where he's analyzing fights. He's breaking down fights. He's taking like he's doing mailbags in the show. Ariel Hawani, who's by the way a big Bills fan, dude, he's he's one of the best in the world in terms of sports media, sports podcasters, you know, sports broadcasters. I studied him quite a bit. I would go to the office at UFC. I would bring up his show from that week, and I would watch it for hours. Don't tell Dana. I was on company <laughs> time, but. I think that helped like create our vision for what was the rankings report, some other ideas that I had that I never really got a chance to execute because so much was happening when I was at the UFC, like the UFC world was taking off and like the media side was taking off and I was tasked with a lot of the vision for what UFC.com was like from an editorial perspective. So I didn't get as much time to like really dive into some of the ideas. I just brought them with me to Buffalo <laughs> and like executed them on the Bills beat. Let me tell you there, something I don't like about you and something I do like about you. Let's start with something I don't like about you. Which to be fair, I, I should have said this right at the beginning of the show. Um, we all know how perfect your hair is, man. But yeah, I'm going to tell you what I'm kind of annoyed about right now is you also have a, a perfect beard and mustache. If you're watching only on the video side, I lost a bet with my son okay. over the past month or so. A, it was a, a weight loss bet, and I lost. Had he, I won, he was going to have to go level five spray tan and look orange and ridiculous. All right. If I lost, I can't shave for five weeks. I lost. And I'm only on day two, and I'm looking at you. I'm like, I am never going to be able to grow a actual beard. I you got know why too many you can't? patches. Do you know why you can't? Why? You never leaned into it. In your twenties, no, right? Never. You just gotta go through a period of like two weeks where you just don't touch it because, like, three weeks, four weeks, five weeks, even. Well, I gotta go six weeks before I'm a, before I even have the option to shave. Well, that's good because maybe. Well, but you might be a little bit too old now. Maybe you, the pattern. The patterns have already. Bye, man. Yeah, no, I, that's tough. I didn't always have facial hair. I think like one day my wife was like, "I want you to grow a beard." She was sick of my face or, so or whatever. So she's the reason why you grew up a bit. Oh, yeah, probably. She's the reason why my <laughs> hair looks like this. She's the reason why I dress the way that I do anything. Like, it's her. Um, but it was um, – she wanted me to grow the beard, so I did. And it's funny. Like, she goes through patterns where she doesn't like the, the – like, right now, she wants a different fade on my beard. And I told my barber, and he's like, I don't know if you have the beard for that kind of fade. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, you don't get it. My wife said this is what she wants. This is what she's going to get. So shave the beard the right way, okay? And – John, if you're watching, I love you. Peroni Barber Studio over on Eggert Road. People always ask me where I get my haircut, and I tell people. And I don't hear nearly enough stories of people taking the advice and going to Peroni Barber <laughs> Studio. It's like, dude, I gave you the, the secret ticket, the lottery ticket. Go do it. John, John Peroni.
Edgar uh, Road. I just gonna get whiskery and, and hideous, and people are gonna make fun of me. That's kind of the purpose of the bet for me to. be I'd like to see like weekly updates. Like uh, just take a Tim Graham selfie. Well, I have no choice. Do you know what a Tim Graham selfie is? It's his profile picture where he's just sitting in a room and he just <laughs> took a random selfie. I want one of those every uh, week from you. I have to when I do shows from home, like the solo shows, that the camera's a lot tighter than it is right now. So right. It, it's gonna be really bad. Jokes aside, I was going to make fun of myself, actually. One thing I, I do respect a lot about you, and I've noticed it more this year, and maybe it's just because the Bills have had such an up-and-down season at one point, you know, six and six, is you have been more objectively critical of this team at times. I've, you know, I almost always watch out after mm -hmm. a game, and you know, I follow you, obviously, on Twitter, and you have definitely, I've, no, I've noticed it personally, have definitely been more critical – at times, whether it's Josh Allen, whether it's Sean McDermott, just this team in general this year, I mean, you got more reasons to be critical now. But I've always said this. Like, yeah. if we've talked on this show before, I've always said the arc of this thing, I've tried to make it make sense for people. Like, mm -hmm. why wasn't I more critical in 2021 when they lost in 13 seconds? Because they were three years removed from ending a drought of 17 years without a playoff appearance. Right. Like, we failed to use like reality or like just a realistic view vantage point of a situation. It's I want, I want, I want without considering the variables. Like, do you want the bills to win a championship? Of course you do. Mm -hmm. But like 31 other teams want to win a championship every year. And most of them, if not all of them don't. And so have there been bad parts in the journey? 100%. I was critical after 13 seconds too. They're, they're just, to me, this felt like we're getting to the height of the arc of this Josh Allen, Sean McDermott storyline and or this era. And to have it get to 12 games and you'd be sitting there at six and six, losing to the Broncos with the way that they lost, it was panic mode time. Sure. And there was criticism was needed. And, it, and obviously so because they fired Ken Dorsey and obviously they've won five of six and they have a chance to win the, the two seed, which is crazy to think about considering where it was halfway through the season. But I think if you really peel back the layers, and I think most people that have been regular listeners of the show that have read my work over the years would say, I've always been critical, but I've been critical as much as it's warranted, mm -hmm. right? Like I, I use, like to me, this was always my pet peeve with Jerry Sullivan. He was critical for critic criticism's sake, right? That was just his mission. And that's fine. Like maybe that he saw that as his job as a columnist. I'm not a columnist. Right. I'm a reporter. So I need to use the whole picture to have my takes and then cover the team and write about the team. And I've always tried to do that. Um, if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, the roster is going to look much different next year. Not only that, you know, there's been some real issues with Josh Allen this season. Like we got to be honest about it. I mean, it's great that he's got 42 touchdowns in a year where offenses are struggling but the interceptions are something that we talked about when he was a rookie. Yeah. So that's a little bit of regression baked in. And then Sean has had, listen, we could talk probably for an hour on the Ty Don series. There was stuff in that series that I think were real and warranted and stuff from their past that Sean's past that, you know, are, are things that he even felt moved to talk about mm -hmm. to address without ever getting asked a question about it. And so, that deserves criticism. And the question, are you ever going to make it to a time where you're able to get over the hump?
But as Andy Reid proved in, in Philadelphia before he went to Kansas City, you could be in a place for 15 years or whatever many years it is, win all of those games and have all that success and never really break through till the next stop. Figuring out when to make that move and make that change, it's a really, really tough thing, and I don't think it's as black and white as people think it is. Criticism of Josh Allen aside, it was also notable a couple of weeks ago, just a few weeks ago, maybe even two weeks ago, you said that in your opinion that Josh Allen would be the best player in the whole NFL. 100%. Yeah. I wouldn't, if I was starting a team today, I'm not taking anybody over Josh Allen, and that's including Patrick Mahomes, because I feel like the ceiling is so much higher. Like, I, I think there's still a version of Josh Allen at 27 years old. He's 27 years old. I still think there's a futuristic version of him that is as dangerous as a passer, as dangerous as a runner, and a more cerebral version. Sometimes I think he's almost too smart for his own good. And I, I thought it was interesting listening to Bill Belichick two weeks ago or a week ago talk about the comparisons to Tom Brady early on with Josh Allen. Like early on, it wasn't all roses for Brady either. He had to figure it out. And the version that we met, remember of Brady for the last decade, that's not the version that was probably even in year four or year five, which is what we're talking about with Allen who's now in year six. So I still think that there's a lot to go. The problem is, does the physical part of the game and the way that he plays the game, which is different than Brady, does that catch up after over time? Because it did with Cam Newton, and it did with Ben Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger had more time, but eventually it will catch up with him. And you know, the more years that go on without a Super Bowl, the more panic. Because I will give Bills fans this. I give them a lot of things. I, I love Bills Mafia. People always ask me, like, oh, I'm so bummed that you're not a Bills fan anymore. Dude, I'm a fan of Bills Mafia, dude. Like, sure. I love this fan base and the culture of the city and the identity of the city. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not bashful about admitting that. Um, but one thing I do think they get more than most is the timeliness of having this player in his prime, what it means for the franchise, and the urgency to win now. I respect that. Um and they know it. And if they don't win, ah, this place is going to burn down, man. Because, like, if they don't win a Super Bowl in the Josh Allen era, man, after everything that this franchise and city has been through, ah, man, I just don't know what it's going to look like at the other end. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll just retire and I'll go into teaching. Because I don't know if <laughs> I, I want to. Yeah, I'll go back to UFC. There you go. <laughs> you, you mentioned a, a potential futuristic version of Josh Allen. You realistically think that could ever be unlocked if there is a futuristic version of him with a Sean McDermott as a head coach or or Joe Brady as OC. And speaking of Joe Brady, is he, in your opinion, is it to be determined like his future with the team? Do you think it's locked in that he's going to become the permanent OC? Or is that like one of those, it's too early, let's see how the season plays out before? Well, I'll have to walk back my own statement, which I'm always willing to do. Sure. I said take off that interim tag a couple weeks ago after the Cowboys game. And, you know, I think that was a bit um, living in the moment of that game because it was so impressive. Like the Cowboys were the most hyped team in the league. And so to put that kind of beating on it when it's not even what you do well, I was like, damn. Like I took notice. The problem now is it's like you take all of this, the way they've saved their season, what does it mean if they have another divisional round or earlier exit? I mean, Pat, we could talk be sitting here next week coming back to Imperial on Thursday night with no Bills in the playoffs. As crazy as that is to, to talk about. So – I think what happens over the next month is going to determine that to a degree. Um, I think that Josh Allen is a fan, which I think holds weight in that room. Sure. But also, I could see Brandon and Sean maybe being 
hesitant to let Josh make that decision after what happened with Ken. Ken era is so funny because I think we're going to look back on it with all of these like roll eye emojis. They were really good under Dorsey too at yeah. times. So it's never a perfect fit. Um, I do think one thing that Josh Allen misses isn't Brian Dable the play caller. Isn't Brian Dable the offensive coordinator or even the football mind? It's Brian Dable the mentor and the friend. And the friend part is important because he understood Josh in a way that very few people did. Like Josh could have a bad game, right? And just imagine what a FaceTime from Brian Dable, who's as dialed into that guy as anybody. Yeah. And like you're from West Seneca. You you know people that know Brian. Like he's a Western New York yeah. guy. Like He's one of the guys. He's one of those guys that you want to have a beer. every summer. Yeah. And so I think Josh thrived under that. And I don't know if Joe Brady's providing that. I don't think we have a blend into that relationship. But I don't think that was really Ken Dorsey. Like, I don't think that that was the way that he's wired. I don't think that he's got that interpersonal way about him. And maybe he does. And far be it for me to say, to admit that. It's it's more on Josh to talk about that than me. And a question for him in the offseason, maybe. But – to me, that's the key. It's like no matter who is the offensive coordinator next year, it's got to be somebody that understands Josh's position as quarterback but also understands how to get through to him as a, as a person because that's important to him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are live here at Imperial Pizza in South Buffalo, episode 700, Talking Buffalo. Winding down with my good friend here, Matt Perino, Vaughn Miller. All right, so you go to the stadium last week and you find out, well, we all find out around the same time, but Vaughn Miller was inactive. Were you surprised at that time that he was inactive? He did speak to the media today, today being Thursday, said that... Um, I can't remember what he said. So I, I'm slightly paraphrasing, but he, he understood why he wasn't he wasn't playing up to his capabilities, he said. And again, I'm paraphrasing, and he wasn't – it's not like he's mad that he wasn't inactive. But anyway, were you surprised he was inactive last week? Do you think that was a one-week maybe kick-in-the-ass thing that your your level of play is not good enough? Or are we at a point in the season now with everything on the line? Because this pretty much is a playoff game on Sunday where, by an injury, you might have seen the last of Vaughn Miller at least for this year. It definitely was a kick in the ass, and it's it's hard to project what's going to happen. I, I truly don't know. Just hearing Vaughn talk about it, 
like you mentioned today. And that was an interview he did with Ryan O'Halloran from the Buffalo News. Mm-hmm. He, he spoke to him. I actually went up to him afterwards. He's like, I already gave my interview to Ryan. So he was done for oh. the day. So I might have to check in with him tomorrow. But I did talk to him for a few minutes, not about um, some football stuff. Um, I don't know. I, I still think that if you look at that game against the Patriots, there wasn't really a lot of splash plays from the edge rushers, like as a group. Now, I think this is a game against a Miami Dolphins offensive line that's A, I don't think very good, and B, beaten up, where there's going to be opportunities. I think Leonard Floyd's been super good for them, and Greg Rousseau has been consistent all year long. But I think there are, to Sean's point, some things that Vaughn has done that have opened things up for other people. He's been unselfish with the way that he's been rushing. Like there was a clip that went viral a couple weeks ago where Vaughn was on a stunt, working a stunt with, I think, Ed Oliver, and freed up the middle, took on a double team, and allowed Ed to come off on the on the edge. Things like that, I think, like, because Steve's still got scheme against Von Miller, but he hasn't been effective. Like, so, but you have to know that he's out there, is what I'm saying. Okay, yeah. I'm, I'm not saying they, they game plan for him, but like, okay, Von Miller's on the field, you know, there's still a little bit of that star shine on him. It's fading. It's very... You're right. You're right about the star and having the him having to count for him out there. You're I 100 agree with you, but I feel like you could block him at times the way I couldn't. Seen. I could definitely <laughs> tell you that I couldn't. I did a workout today and I could definitely tell you that I couldn't. But I get your point. Um, Sean, I was to your or, original question. I wasn't super surprised only because Sean said something really interesting in the few days before that. He said Vaughn knows that playing time is earned. And I felt like mm-hmm. that was like a pivot from the lines that he had been using leading up to that game. And so I think he was like, yeah, he's not earning it right now, and we have to make a, a change. And I also think that that could also mean that we might get a break from Latavius Murray this week because his rhetoric around Murray when I asked him about him this week, it felt a little bit similar to, to that. Sure. So Murray may be inactive. Fournette may be up for this game. Um, as the third running back, but man, I'd lean into Ty Johnson. Uh, I know we're talking about Vaughn. I like but, him. Uh, he's really good. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I like Latavius Murray too. I think he's a nice story. I think he was brought here originally, maybe as insurance, right? You know, maybe last year's uh, Duke Johnson, and then things changed when Hines got hurt. I thought Murray did some really good things early on, especially, but you know, he's made some mistakes. They had a couple. He had a drop last week, and right. uh, a couple things. But anyway, with Vaughn. Look, it's easy for me to sit here and I'm not coming off a, a torn ACL, you know. So it, it just it seems to me at times. And, and again, you you know you're a professional reporter and you're covering this team. I at least when this microphone is in my hand, I at least attempt to be objective and not so much be a fanboy on this show at least. But when I'm watching the game, I'm a fan. I'm not going to run from that. And I remember screaming at my TV like he's out there dogging it at times. It just does it seem at times like. Maybe it's a business decision of his that he's not going to put himself in a position where maybe planning that knee and getting some bend, you know, at the expense of potentially getting re-injured. Um, and he's going to just see what happens next year. That's kind of where I, I, I feel as a fan anyway. Maybe. I'm at. I mean, maybe. I, I can't speak for him, and he's always like this beacon of positivity. Whenever you talk to him, he waxes poetic for 20 minutes. Sometimes you don't even get a straight answer out of him. He just I know. goes on his own tangent. I get frustrated when you guys ask him questions. Yeah. So many answers. But I will say that I think so, there, even though everybody said there was no setback, I think when he came back against Jacksonville, remember him talking about how 
playing on that field at Tottenham felt like a cement, yeah, like I paved, like yeah. a parking lot. I'm wondering if he came back out, ran a few snaps, and and dinged up his knee and hasn't felt right since because I don't know, like to be talking about it at this stage of the comeback that they're they, you know, they're leaning into vet rest days and. He even said today to Ryan that he's like trying to rest his knee. And I don't know, like I, that, that's a huge, like to your point, like if you're not a hundred percent, you shouldn't be out there because there's guys like even Kingsley Jonathan, who's very inexperienced. I'd much rather have his juice out there and nice what he's Sunday. potentially playing for. Like Kingsley Jonathan is playing for his NFL life. Yeah. Every snap. Yeah. Von Miller. I mean, any, any snap could be his last at this point. Are the bills playing with everything in? On the line, they're playing Miami at the most opportune time. It, oh, yeah. it feels like with all these injuries, um, Jalen Waddle and Mostert, neither of them practiced today. We already know about Bradley Chubb and Xavier Howard. I can't see either of them play, playing yeah. on Sunday. A big advantage, obviously, for, yeah. for, for Buffalo. And I'm sure you're hearing a lot about like this stadium, which you obviously you'll be at on Sunday night. There's going to be a lot of Bills fans. Does that matter? Do you think that matters? Let's just say it's not going to be 50-50, despite what people say. Well, even if it's 20, 25 to 30% Bills fans. If it's 30, it 70 Bills fans, it'll feel like they're, it's 50-50. Let's oh, just sure, say sure, that. Sure, sure. Because it doesn't matter, though. Listen, I, this Dolphins Twitter is actually a lot, a lot more energetic than it's ever been. Like, There's a lot of energy on that social media platform for, for whatever reason. I don't think that holds up in real life. Like, I've been to that stadium now. This will be my sixth time. And every time I'm there, I'm, I'm left very underwhelmed with them as a home crowd. Um, they're much better now. I mean, they're in, they were in the, they were the one seed like two weeks ago. Um, but it matters. And I think like it's why Josh and Sean put on for it so much when they're asked about it, usually from Bill's reporters. I'm, I'm not going to ask you for a, a prediction on this show. You can. Sure. Okay. Well, then I want a prediction. And also give me a, a non-Josh Allen X Factor Maybe on both sides of the ball. Give me one on each side of the football right now for this game on Sunday night. Somebody from the Bills on both sides. Maybe not the biggest name or maybe the biggest name that you think is going to stand out. Because I've had one and I've been pounding the table all day. And I don't know why. Who? Dawson Knox. Okay. I have no idea why. I like Dawson Knox, but he's done nothing this year. And he's got hurt. He's come back and he's been very quiet. I just, I don't know. I'm manifesting it. Maybe I talked to Anthony Marino from Rumblings on yesterday's show. I said I could just see it in my mind, him scoring a contested touchdown in the end zone and having like a 30-some yard pass in the middle of the field. I just I don't know what it is, but I feel like Dawson Knox. And I also said Terrell Bernard. I could see him making a nice athletic interception. But God, oh God, was I ever wrong about that dude in this season? I think most of us were. Yeah, we were. But uh, give me an X Factor player or two. So for me, watching the Ravens game last week, my all my my both my eyes are on James Cook. Yeah. To me, this is a James Cook game. Out of the backfield as a runner, but more so in the second and third level as a receiver. Their linebackers struggle in coverage. David Long's been kind of banged up the last couple of sure. weeks, and he's their best linebacker. That other dude, Duke Riley, it was bad last week. I mean, he they made Justice Hill and Gus Edwards look like Mostert and Achan. So yeah. I, I think this is a James Cook game. He he's the X factor for me. I also think bonus offensive player, like if the if the Dolphins are dumb enough to ever put Eli Apple on Stefan Diggs, all Stefan Diggs' problems are going to be over. He's going to go <laughs> off. Because don't you remember the Cincinnati game last year when Eli Apple got on Twitter and said, "Good, how about your Cabo plans, right? Wasn't that oh, his tweet? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guarantee Ooh. you Stefan Diggs has that printed somewhere in his locker. And I did not see that. I'm not saying that he does. 
But I could see that being something, or maybe on his phone, that he's looking to go get some of Eli Apple on Sunday if Vic Fangio puts him across from him. On defense, it's a good question. Um, you know who loves Florida? Jordan Poyer, Jordan, man. Yeah. Jordan Poyer loves him some Florida weather. I can see him going down and having a monster. Hasn't been a big turnover season. Like, remember a couple years ago when Poyer and Hyde each had five of Yeah. Twice. They did that two separate seasons. I, I picked Jordan Poyer to lead the AFC in interceptions. That was my preseason bold prediction. They quite work They've been out. using him differently. Yeah. He's been playing more as a box linebacker and at I times. Think, and I'll tell you what, too. I also think he started the season slow. Yeah. But I think he's come on yeah. in the second half. I think he's been really good. Like, if people were talking, it's a foregone conclusion that the Bills are going to cut ties with him after the season. I don't buy that anymore. No. No, I mean, I definitely think that, you know, he's played and he's leaned. They found something with this dime look that they run with yes. with Rap and Hyde and Poyer. Now, I don't know what the future is for Hyde because he's making $10 million. The injury consider is there. What's he going to want on the open market? What's the market going to be for him? I tend to think that the market, for whatever reason, fair or not, is going to be a little bit better for Hyde for some reason. I, I, I think, like, now, Poyer got 7-14 over 2 so I think that's probably what Hyde's looking at, but I don't think the Bills are going to give him that. Right. So I, I, I think Hyde is probably more likely not to be back, but I think there's a couple candidates in-house, and I think they're also, no matter who's back, they're going to have to spend some capital at the at that position. Last question for you, man. Uh, you and Kaylin, you ever been on a cruise? No. My father-in-law and my mother-in-law have been on um, over a dozen cruises. My wife is deathly afraid of water. Like even swimming pools, really. Yeah. So you would never catch her. Like she do. We were. She was okay. A little story. She's probably gonna be mad that I tell the story. But we were. <laughs> um. She was coming with me to London. Mm -hmm. And uh, last minute, my we went to New York City for the Jets weekend, and we left my the kids with uh, her parents. And Kennedy had a hard time with it, and so she said, "Okay, well, I can't go to London because I can't leave Kennedy." But I'll tell you, the real reason is she did not want to fly over the ocean <laughs> all the way to London because she's definitely afraid of it. And it's the same thing with the with, with the cruise. Yeah. She's, you know, she watches those like reels where cruises are out in the water and then the like, storm hits and like doesn't capsize, but it's like going crazy. So she's not a cruise person. Let's just say that. <laughs> I asked that for a specific reason because about five, six months ago. So, you know, I you were in Vegas for a long time. I was in Florida for five and a half years. And I met a really large group of friends, great friends that we've stayed in touch with. There's this group called MVP, and they do a lot of sports and social stuff together. Anyway, booked a cruise. And I've never been on a cruise in my life either. And I don't know if I'm afraid. I'm not afraid of water, but I don't know how I'm going to be on a boat. I'm going to find out. Right. So anyway, we booked When it. is this? It is the week of the Super Bowl. So there's a potential here. They're going to the Super Bowl then. There's They're a, definitely going to the Super there, Bowl. There's a, a potential that the Bills will make it to the Super Bowl and I will be like on in C or in Mexico. I I, I can't remember. Do you have a backup plan? Like you're not going to go on the cruise? I my, my backup plan is to eat the money and, and potentially not go on the cruise. But what I said, and this is the reason why I agreed to the cruise to begin with, because it was a better rate too, because it was Super Bowl right. week with, for, you know, a large group of people. As I said, you know, there's a lot of Bills podcasts, whether it's the mainstream media guys and girls like yourself, whether it's the alternative media there's going to be, it's good. The game's going to be covered. But I said, if I'm in Mexico or if I'm on a, a cruise ship watching the Super Bowl, the context, the, the content that I would have, the stories that I would have 
for me and on a boat with hundreds of people who I don't know, most of them probably not Bills fans. I said that would be some real unique, fun content. Right. But now that it's like the nitty gritty time and there's a good chance, I, I think anyway, if the Bills make it to the Super Bowl, I'm starting to walk that back. And I'm wow. like, how could you live in this city that, that, that we love Dude, so much? The, can you imagine if the Bills are in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you'll be able to cover it. That, that'll be a dream come true for you, of course. But just the game itself aside, the city, the week of the Super Bowl, the rallies that are going to be going on, the, the, the energy, the enthusiasm in Western New York that week, and then potentially the Bills win a Super Bowl, the parties that night. The the Super Bowl parade maybe that Tuesday because I wouldn't be coming back to a Wednesday. Right, I looked that shit up, man. I'm like, I don't know if I can miss that, so I might have to eat a couple thousand dollars. Do you know what's so funny? And I just put this together this second. I just hit your camera, so I think we're out of focus now. Sorry. No, we're good. <laughs> um, my uh, the first Super Bowl in the '90s, '91, '90-'91. Mm -hmm. I was nine years old. Guess how old my son is. Nine, Nine years old. Oh, wow. I just put that together. Now, obviously, okay. I cover the team, but my wife and my kids are diehard Bills fans. Like, sure. Lucas says his Josh Allen jersey, Stefan Diggs jersey. Like, he's all in. My entire family on both sides. We're all from Buffalo. They're huge Bills fans. Um, that's pretty cool to think about. I, I just thought about that in this moment. Like, wouldn't that be a pretty cool story if the, the first time they go to the Super Bowl in, like, what, three decades? Like, He's the same age that I was when the Bills went to the first Super Bowl back in 91, well, 1991. I'll be the fan here. Let's speak that into existence. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now. Here's another reason I want to speak into existence. Super Bowl's in Las Vegas. Mm. I want to go home. This feels destiny. It's my home away from home. I mean, Vegas is my second home. So that would be really cool. I haven't been back there in a couple of years. And I when I went down to L.A. to cover the Chargers game, I flew through Vegas. So I like flew over the Strip. I was in the airport, which I've been in a million times. I went to 50 shows across the world when I was at the UFC, and I couldn't leave the airport and go see all my friends, and I was like, oh, this is such a bummer. So that's it. Like, let's manifest the Super Bowl in Vegas, bunch of birds with a bunch of stones, and we'll go from there. The nine you'll year cancel old your factor, cruise. The nine-year-old factor, the Vegas factor, me losing a couple thousand dollars and eating that money factor, it just <laughs> it seems too much to for it to not happen. Yes. All right, that's going to do it for this show. Again, I want to thank one more time Imperial Pizza, 1035 Ever Road in South Buffalo, the best place to come to eat in South Buffalo, period. End of story. Make sure you follow this man on Twitter because he's only got about 70,000 followers or so. so Which I is, I think, is actually like an inaccurate number. Dude, I don't know what Elon Musk is doing with this thing, but like, I woke up one morning, I was at 71,000 followers. I tune in like three hours later, I'm down to like 70,100. I lost 900 <laughs> followers in three hours. Like, what did you say? Now I'm back up to 70.7. I don't know. I don't know, <laughs> dude. I got followers. People are on there. It's cool. And, and of course, make sure you check out Matt and Ryan. Shout the Buffalo Football Podcast. Thanks, buddy. This is a lot hey, of fun, man. man. Thank Congrats you, again. Imperial Pizza. I'll be back, but actually, would no, I won't be back in the new episode tomorrow because this drops Friday. So catch you guys Monday. Take care.